Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Yes. Super excited. We are all pumped to have James Renner. James Renner. That James Renner has zeroed in. James Renner once again drops a bombshell. Investigative journalist reporter James Renner, who's been on the podcast a long time. By a local writer, James Renner. James Renner. James Renner. Congratulations, true crime addicts. We've survived. Another week, the first week of January. It is Friday, January 6th, 2023, which sounds like the future. I looked outside. There's no flying cars yet, but that certainly sounds like the future, and we're living in it. Yeah, yes. Uh, this is True Crime This Week, and I'm your host, James Renner. There's the bell. Hey, um, as always, we've got Walter behind the camera. Everybody say hi to Walter. Hi, Walter. All right. Uh, back with some old jokes in 2023. Hey, um, if you're new to this program, hit the like and subscribe button. Smash that subscribe button, as they say. And, uh, you know, that way you get these videos every Friday morning. You jump on YouTube and, and, and there I am waiting for you. I'm waiting to share the true crime news that you need to hear that you're probably not going to get anywhere else for another week or two. This is like your front row seat to all things true crime. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, at the top of the year, I'm doing something new. Uh, in about another week or two, on the 18th, it begins. I'm offering some online classes on how to write true crime and how to research and publish and everything to do with writing about true crime. I'm doing five classes the, uh, throughout the next few months, and you can sign up for them on, um, on Zoom. But uh, for more information, Check out James, jamesrenner.com. I'm going to post some stuff up over the weekend. jamesrenner.com if you're interested in learning about how to write true crime and do what I do. Lucky you. Uh, let's get to the top stories, though. Um, it's, been, it's been a couple weeks since I've, I've been able to talk to you about these stories. We did the wrap-up of the top 10 true crimes of 2022, and then we took a week off, uh, and now everybody's rested. So here we go. The top story unarguably this first week of January, this first week of 2023, is the arrest of Brian Koberger. Now, just yesterday, Brian Koberger appeared in court in Idaho, where he was officially charged with the murders of four University of Idaho students, Madison Mogan, Kaylee Guncalvis, Zena Kernodal, and Ethan Chapin. If convicted, Koberger could be put to death by the state. 
The four students were murdered in the townhouse they shared in Moscow, Idaho on November 13th. We've been following the story for a while. Two additional students were on the bottom floor of this three-story townhouse. They were unharmed. In these strange circumstances, you know, it's, it's very rare for this type of murder to occur with four victims and, and nobody found at the scene. And then you've got two survivors and the location and the timing. It just, it made for a very strange story. And that led to all sorts of conspiracy theories from Armchair Sleuths, especially on Reddit and TikTok. And they took issue with how little information that police were sharing. They were trying to say, you know, this is another Delphi, Indiana type of case. They're, they're dragging their feet. They're not really doing anything. Well, now we know they were doing a hell of a lot. They were doing their job this whole time. Quietly and smartly. And they don't care about social media. In fact, I think in this case, social media actually helped them because they didn't want Brian to know that they were actually on to him. And they were on to him back in November, by the way. A lot of this came out through uh, the probable cause document that was released in court just yesterday. Here's what led police to Koberger. This is according to CNN. The killer, they knew, used a K-bar-style marine knife. This is the standard-issue marine knife that they give you when you're in the Marines. It's called a K-bar. It's for killing. Um, he used that to murder his victims, and the dummy left his knife sheath behind. It was apparently found on a bed. DNA from that sheath matched DNA from a sample they pulled from the trash at Koberger's family place in Pennsylvania. Now, Koberger, after the murders, drove along with his father. His father drove in the car with him from Idaho back to his parents' place in Pennsylvania for the holidays. And they, uh, by the time he actually drove to Pennsylvania, they were already kind of surveilling him. In fact, uh, we learned that the FBI asked local police to pull Koberger over during that trip so they could get body cam footage and pictures of his hands to match to some sort of forensic evidence. So they were doing everything they possibly could. Law enforcement also took a look at all the phones that were in the area of Moscow, Idaho, that, that townhouse, remember, at the time of the murders. Uh, I, we don't know all the details yet, but I'm guessing they, you know, there are those stations that, that ping and the cell phone towers, and they kind of track what numbers are on those uh, receivers at any time, or, or relays, I'm sorry. Uh, they discovered that Koberger's phone was near the murder scene at the time, then he'd also visited the scene 12 times before the murder, as if he was kind of casing the place. This might have been in the planning stages for quite a while. Then after the murders, so the murders occurred around 4 a.m. After the murders, around 9 a.m., 9.30, he returned to the scene for some reason and was there for a few minutes. Koberger also owned a white Hyundai Elantra, the kind of car that was seen on security cameras the night of the crime. And five days after the murder, he changed his license plate. Nothing suspicious about that. Uh, we also know that one of the roommates who survived, one of the women that were downstairs, actually saw the killer in the house. This unnamed woman heard crying in the house and then a voice, she heard a voice saying, quote, it's okay, I'm going to help you. How chilling is that? She peeked out into the hallway, 
saw a figure clad in black clothing and a mask covering their mouth and nose, but was able to see these bushy eyebrows as he walked by her and then out through the back door. We don't know why she didn't call police immediately or make sure her friends were okay, but shock in those dramatic situations, especially for young people, uh, can do crazy things. So I'm chalking this up to, to uh, shock or even just being a college student, all sorts of crazy things happen all the time. You don't know what's important, what's not. So don't put too much importance on that. Koberger was a grad, uh, grad student at Washington State University, which is about 15 miles, I'm sorry, 15 minutes outside of Moscow. And he was studying criminal justice. He had taken classes from acclaimed authors who had written about serial killers. It looked like maybe he was studying the game. Anyways, you see pictures of him. I'm going to bring this up again. Here's, uh, here's Koberger. Look at those crazy eyes. Like, are killers, are crazy people born with those eyes? Or do they develop them after they go crazy? Those are some crazy eyes. Like, uh, you know, he's hooked on something or, or just, it looks like something peering out of a meat suit. You know, whatever is really inside of him. Uh, I honestly don't think this guy is going to survive prison. He doesn't look like the type that would fare well in there for very long. So let's see how this, this story develops. The coolest story this week by far was how a certain douche canoe, sex trafficker, was taken down by environmental activist Greta Thunberg. Uh, first, and I'm talking about Andrew Tate, but first you got to know who Andrew Tate is. He's a 36-year-old kickboxer and self-proclaimed misogynist who got kind of famous a few years ago when he appeared on Big Brother UK for, you know, a couple episodes. This according to The Independent. Anyways, Tate leveraged that little fame to build kind of a sleazy empire online. He started this thing called Hustlers University. It's an online school for chads that charged $49 a month for tips on creating passive income, but was probably closer to a traditional pyramid scheme. What got him in big trouble, though, was his adult webcam business. Viewers could get access to private sessions with lingerie-clad lingerie women for the low, low price of $4 an hour. If that sounds too good to be true, it's because it is. If you're getting something and it feels like you're getting it for free, you are the product, right? Didn't they say that in uh, the social network? Well, there was another scam going on, a scam within a scam, uh, the donut hole within the, the donut hole, as they say. Uh, the women in the lingerie in these chat rooms would tell the men once they got them going, they'd start crying and say they had like a sick grandmother or even like a sick dog and they needed some money for surgery. And you see the kind of transactions that would happen. Of course, these men would want to help these these women in their time of need, and that $4 an hour session would end up becoming tens of thousands of dollars worth of scam. So Andrew Tate, he's, he also has this toxic online personality, and he got banned from a lot of social media sites after saying things like women should, quote, uh, shut up, have kids, sit at home, be quiet, and make coffee and explaining that men are more naturally attracted to 18-year-old girls because they've, quote, been through less dick. Great guy. 
On December 29th, Tate tweeted at Greta Thunberg. Now, Greta, what, why? I mean, that, uh, you know, on the surface appears very random, but Greta is a target f- by these or, or from these crazy neocon, new conservative, misogynist figures because she's so very liberal and because she's young and attractive and they want to bone her. Um, so uh, he tweeted at Greta Thunberg and he was bragging about his carbon footprint. He said, quote, I have 33 cars. This is just the start. Please provide your email address so I can send you a complete list. To which Thunberg responded, quote, yes, please do enlighten me. Email me at smalldickenergy at getalife.com. And the whole internet was like, damn, right? <laughs> do they still, they, they still say that. Um, so there was this online war brewing and Tate clapped back because he has to get the last word. And he he came back with a short video that showed him sitting in a room with boxes from Jerry's Pizza. Now that's a pizza chain that only exists in, or exists mostly in Romania. And until then, authorities were unsure about his whereabouts, but once they knew he was back in the country, they promptly arrested him and his brother. Authorities say that Tate and his brother have uh, formed an organized crime group that was trafficking women. So nicely done there. I love it when, I mean, when you, instant karma is so very rare, but when it happens on a stage like that, oh, it's beautiful stuff. Um, I have to talk about this case that happened during the Christmas break that kind of flew under the radar. I saw this today. I couldn't believe it. I have to share it with you. A teen girl in Michigan was the target of a particularly tenacious bully. What kind of bully? A particularly tenacious one um, who... who texted hundreds of abusive messages, but used a VPN to hide their identity. At least they thought they could hide their identity that way. The girl and her mother pleaded with police to help them, and eventually the FBI got involved. Now, the girl's mother, you should know, was also the basketball coach at her daughter's high school. She told police she thought it was another girl from the school who was stalking her daughter. So imagine their surprise when the FBI tracked down the IP address behind that VPN and found that it was owned by the girl's mother, named Kendra Lakari. The mother was stalking and harassing her own daughter. What the hell, right? It almost, I, I, nobody can quite figure it out yet, but I have a theory. To me, this sounds like a a new case, a new spin on Munchausen's by proxy. I think it's possible the mother saw the kind of attention she and her daughter got when her daughter was the the target of bullying and upped the ante a little bit and just relished all that attention. So I think it's like, um, you could call it Munchausen's by catfishing or something. I, I don't know, but it seems to fit in that category. I could be wrong. Now, she, uh, Lucari is charged with two counts of stalking a minor, two counts of using a computer to commit a crime. Those are felonies, by the way, and obstruction of justice. She faces 10 years in prison. And uh, her daughter faces lots and lots of therapy. I hope she manages to pull out of that mess. That is nutso. Uh, Okay, those are the top stories. I've got a lot of, I, I found some weird true crime news this week. And there's also another solve with DNA Doe Project and um, this 
the very first transgender woman was executed in the United States this week. Lots more to come. I'll be back in two and two with more true crime this week. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. And we're back with Sanford and Son, starring Demond Wilson. The search for Malaysian Airlines Flight 370 continues. And Australia may back a financially back a new effort to find the jumbo jet that vanished with 239 people aboard in 2014. The Australian Transport Safety Board, or NAMBLA, led the effort to find the plane back then, and the director at the time was a guy named Peter Foley. Now, the search was suspended in 2017 after finding little to, you know, uh, just very little evidence. Foley is now trying to use the upcoming anniversary to pressure the Australian government to look again, according to The Guardian. Uh, The flight went missing 40 minutes into a six-hour flight from Kuala Lumpur to Beijing. This is a crazy case. This is like, there's part of me that really wants to dive in and write a book about this, but, you know, it's just so huge. It's such a massive, you know, sprawling several countries. It's a massive uh, mystery. And 
it seems strange that a jumbo jet could be just disappear in this day and age. Seems like something out of loss, something out of TV. But it's most likely at the bottom of the ocean to the west of Australia. Australia already spent $90 million looking for this thing. Fully wants to use this group called Ocean Infinity, which has these new, very powerful underwater robots, uh, and go looking for it. Now, since the disappearance, 20 items believed to be from Flight 370 were found on beaches in the Indian Ocean. Uh, specifically, this thing called a flapperon, which is part of the wing that goes up and down on the back that you can see out of your window, where the gremlins stand on. Um, the flapperon was, was found and almost definitively shown to be from that Malaysian flight. It was found in July 2015 along with a Chinese water bottle. The leading theory is that the reason there was so little uh, found of the flight is that it went vertically into the water, leaving very little debris. Uh, but it would be, it, it's like, I remember when I was a kid, before they found the Titanic and everybody was trying to find the Titanic. We, gotta, we know it's down there, we gotta find it. This is kind of like our era's Titanic. We know it's down there somewhere. And, you know, hopefully when we find it, it will lead to the answers to what, you know, why it happened in the first place. Amber McLaughlin became the first transgender woman to be executed in the United States on Tuesday when she was killed by the state for a 2003 murder, according to CBS News. McLaughlin was convicted of stalking and killing a former girlfriend in Missouri. Uh, that happened, that was, a two, that was that 2003 case. Her final words were, quote, I'm sorry for what I did. I'm a loving and caring person. The, you know, her supporters talked about how she suffered abuse as a child, and that led to poor control and decisions, just like you hear in all these cases. She began transitioning in prison about three years ago. The Bureau of Justice Stats, check this out. This is interesting. I did not know this. The Bureau of Justice Statistics estimates that there are currently 3,200 transgender inmates in the United States. Uh, this just off the wire, I just got this uh, about an hour ago. Another solve f uh, using genetic genealogy by the DNA Dope Project. Um, this out of Zilwaukee Township, Michigan. After being unidentified for nearly 50 years, Years, Daniel Garza Gonzalez now has his name back. Gonzalez, originally from B, Texas, was found floating in the Saginaw River just outside Zilwaukee in 1973. Authorities believed he died about six weeks prior. The case went cold until last year when Michigan State Police brought in the DNA Doe Project to try investigative genetic genealogy. This case was especially challenging given that the decedent was from an unrepresented population, meaning Hispanic, additionally complicated by the presence of endogamy. Endogamy is a word you want to know if you know anything about genetic genealogy or if you want to learn more. Endogamy is essentially a form of inbreeding. It's where cousins, first cousins marry each other, and that kind of distorts the family tree a little bit. You see that a lot in um, poor cultures, uh, unrepresented cultures, you know, even places like Appalachia where you've got this very small gene pool. Um, this uh, was a quote from team leader Karen Binder, a friend of the show. Uh, she goes on to say, we're thankful that when we reached an impasse in our research, 
Some DNA cousins of Daniel stepped up to help by uploading to GEDmatch to assist our team in identifying him. While more than 65% of unidentified persons in the NamUs database of missing and unidentified cases are people of color, the databases used by investigative genetic genealogists are still largely populated by white people. Um, so nice job, DNA Doe Project. Keep it up. Um, here's, some weird, here's that weird news story I was telling you about. Uh, there's this new company, and this is tangential to crime. It's kind of about crime. But a new company called Do Not Pay has developed the world's first robot lawyer. This according to The Sun. Now, we hear all about, have you been using ChatGPT? I mentioned this on the show last month, that new um, artificial intelligence uh, writing program that is now writing kids' essays for school and doing PowerPoint and writing computer code. I've tried it. It's super spooky. Uh, it writes as well as, you know, it certainly writes better than Twilight. If you like Twilight, you're going to like anything ChatGPT does. Uh, but we're, we're on the cusp. Things are changing quickly. So now we've got this chatbot that you download as an app and you plug your earpiece in and it, and it talks to you while you're in court. And, you know, the, 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 it'll hear the prosecutor say, blah, 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 blah. And then it'll say, okay, object, object. You'll be like, object, your honor. I don't know if it goes that far yet, but that's, that's what they're envisioning. This was devised to battle originally devised to battle parking tickets, but it's now expanding to more serious crimes. And uh, one of their quotes is, sue anybody at the press of a button. God help us all. Uh, the subscription service runs uh, $36 a year, which sure beats a $5,000 retainer if you get into some serious trouble. So um, check it out. I'm kind of looking forward to that. Maybe it'll be more pricier for this if you... You know, the sleazier the AI is will be, you know, you have to pay more if you really want to make them pay. As Tim Misney says here in Cleveland, um, you got to you got to pony up a little bit. So, you know, your next lawyer could be uh, could be a robot. And I, for one, welcome our robot overlords. Taking a look at pop culture, uh, Netflix has a fantastic new documentary out this week called Madoff. Monster of Wall Street. Here's the write-up. With an innovative visual approach, Madoff, The Monster of Wall Street is a four-part, edge-of-your-seat financial thriller which reveals the truth behind Bernie Madoff's infamous multi-billion dollar global Ponzi scheme and the ways in which a willfully blind financial system allowed it to flourish for decades. You know, there are Ponzi schemes and then there's Bernie Madoff. And what he was able to accomplish and the number of people he was able to fool, and the billions of dollars he was able to snap his finger and vanish when it all came down is insane. I think it can only be, it might have recently been usurped by um, Bankman Fried, or Friedman Bankman, Bankman Fried, um, the guy that did the, the funny NFT stuff that got in trouble last month. Um, but man, um, Check it out. I was just watching clips from uh, Robert De Niro's portrayal of Madoff and really enjoying his take and how, at the end of the day, this was just a guy that got in way over his head and wanted to provide for his family and friends at the expense of pretty much everybody else in Manhattan. So check it out. Madoff, Monster on Wall Street. 
And um, this is the segment where I, where I uh, pick out a true crime book to tell you about from the bookshelf. Uh, this week, uh, I want to tell you about Nittany Nightmare, The Sex Murders of 1938 to 1940, and The Panic at Penn State. Now, I know Penn State from the other big mystery out there, the Ray Greekar case, but I didn't know much about these. Um, here's the write-up. As the Great Depression hit, Penn State College was cash-strapped and dilapidated. Cuts to athletic scholarships left the football program a shambles, could you imagine? And the school, a last resort for many students. In 1937, underfunded state police fighting a losing battle against striking miners and steel workers in Johnstown called in the National Guard. There were not enough police to cover the state, and it showed. Then, someone started killing young women in the area. Between November 1938 and May 1940, three women were abducted and sexually assaulted, their bodies dumped within 50 miles of the college. At the school, as the school grew into Penn State University and the Nittany Lions became a world-class team, two demoralized police agencies were merged, forming the precursor for the Pennsylvania State Police. The killer of Taylor and Martin, however, have gone unidentified to this day. Um, so cool uh, history case here. Check it out if you're a fan of Penn State. Gives you a little more uh, insight into how how it became the institution that it is um, and is maybe still recovering from that terrible crime. So there you go. There's the, those are the top stories. The first week of 2023, we're off to a racing start. Hopefully this year will not be quite as, as bleak within the true crime world as it was last year. Let's, let's not do so many school shootings this year, please. And, um, you know, it is Friday, which is always reason to celebrate. You got the weekend looking uh, looking ahead. You got your Saturday and Sunday. Take it easy. Watch the movies. Watch that Madoff thing on Netflix. And uh, in the words of the incomparable Murray Saul, the godfather of Cleveland Radio, that means we got to, 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 get down, damn it. True Crime This Week is a fearful symmetry production. Photo and artwork are licensed through Shutterstock. If you like the cut of my jib, I have another podcast you might enjoy called The Philosophy of Crime, in which I attempt to solve the big questions behind our true crime obsession by looking to philosophy for answers. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. Sit, Brownie, sit. Good dog.